Hello Parkview, this is Devin, your communications director, and I want to welcome you to another week of the Parkview Group's podcast. This is for the week of May 15th to the 21st, and this is the last group's podcast of this session. The goal of this podcast is to inform and guide group members and train group leaders at Parkview to make whole disciples. We are wrapping up our series on the definition of a whole disciple, and at Central, we're covering living Jesus this week, and at East, we're covering learning Jesus. Let's review our core definition. A whole disciple is a forgiven child of God who is taking the next step to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. Hopefully you can say that frontwards, backwards, and upside down by now. Let's remember why we're here. Community groups cultivate an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. Community groups are really where the rubber meets the road when identifying and implementing next steps as whole disciples. And with that, let's talk about some things coming up. As I mentioned earlier, this is the last week of our Definition of a Whole Disciple series. As a culmination of this series, our staff team has put together a small booklet for you to take home and keep and reference as we leave this series. We don't want the Definition of a Whole Disciple to be closed and go sit up on a shelf and get dusty, but rather we want the language and practices we've been learning about together to color and influence our whole lives moving forward. So we'll be handing out this booklet on Sunday at each campus to help you as you take the next step and the next step and the next step toward Jesus. If you're extra excited about this, you can find a downloadable digital copy on the website already at parkviewchurch.org slash whole disciples, which will be linked in today's show notes. Another thing we wanted to give you a heads up about is that our annual meeting is coming up on June 5th with a potluck starting at 6 p.m., and the worship and meeting starting at 6.45. At this meeting, we will welcome new members, vote on important business matters like the budget and the elder candidates, and hear church updates. We have an additional vote this year on Article 9 of our Articles of Incorporation. You can find the details about all of these items at the link in the show notes. And if you have more questions about the Article 9 vote in particular, we have two forums on May 21st following the 10.30 service at both campuses. So there will be one at Central following the the 10:30 service, so around 11:30 a.m., and one at East at following the 10:30 service at around 11:30 a.m. If you are a member of Parkview Church, we especially encourage you to prioritize attending this meeting. And if you are a regular attender and are thinking, "Ah, the meetings are just for members. I don't need to go." Wrong. You can attend too. You won't be able to vote on any of the business matters, but you can come to see what it's all about. Enjoy fellowship with our church body, especially if you are considering membership. Um, This is a great way to see what that looks like lived out. All right, that's all I have for today. Let's jump into our training now. For East, we're learning Jesus, and for Central, we are living Jesus this week. Talk to you again soon. Hey, Parkview family. My name is Andrea Gaston, and I serve on staff here as our HR and Women's Ministry Director. And I'm getting the opportunity to be a part of this series on what is a whole disciple. A whole disciple, the simple answer, is a forgiven child of God who is taking the next step to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus. Now, what I've been tasked to do is to walk through what it is to learn Jesus, specifically in the upward direction. And that means submitting to God's word, which is the Bible. So... What does the Bible tell us about this aspect of being a disciple? Essentially, the entire Bible is telling us about this. It is one story about how we are to know Jesus, the Son of God. So really, it's the whole Bible. There's not one part that is not pointing us to know Jesus. 
But if you do want some specific passages, I have some of those for you too. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That means it brings understanding to where we're going. In John 6, it has a lot to say about Jesus as the bread of life and what that means for us. And later in that, um, that chapter, um, we hear Simon Peter say, Lord, whom shall we, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So we are learning from learners who were with Jesus, his original disciples, that Jesus has the word of life. He is the word of life. He is the bread of life. And, he, and Jesus taught his disciples. He taught his 12. He taught his multiple. He taught crowds. Jesus teaches about how we are to understand him. And so now we have that included in the Bible. It is so important for us to know Christ. It's the whole purpose of the Bible. And so what does this actually mean? Let me break this down into some just plain language, like we're talking over coffee. How do we understand that this life that God has rescued us from, which is our sin and the world and the brokenness and the fallenness, and we've been re that we've been redeemed through Jesus, and we are, it, this life is given to us in the power of the Spirit. How do we understand this? We understand it by knowing God. Well, how do we know that? Um, by seeing Christ. Well, how do we see Christ? We go to the Bible to see Christ. And so all of this is done in community. It's not a solitary practice, although it is. It's also to be done communally. And so we do that with one another. So let's also discuss what does health look like? And because this can get really tricky real quick. I grew up fairly legalistic and doing all the right things. And it really wasn't until my late 20s that I really came to understand the freedom and the beauty of Christ and just fully living in submission to God's word and not just out of fear. And so there is a healthy way that you can do this and there's some unhealthy ways we can do this. So first of all, Submitting to God's Word, it's, it's not just going to be about finding a Bible verse that's comforting or one that we like that really um, helps us feel good about our life and how we're living it. Um, when we come to the Bible, we want to come letting the Bible tell us what our life is supposed to look like, not coming to the Bible saying, show me how my life is okay. Um, it is meant to change us, and the Spirit does that. It's not just the words on the page, although the Bible, we're told, is alive and active, but it's the Spirit's help that helps us to see the reality of the truth of the gospel that is the good news of Jesus Christ. So really, when we're reading the Bible, we want not to um, have our lives be um, supported in the way of we walk away every time just being like, yeah, I got this. I'm so comforted. I'm so encouraged. Um, we really want to come to that time open-handed before the Lord and being ready to be molded by what we're reading um, instead of molding what we're reading by how we're living. So I personally um, don't love like application, um, applying God's word. <laughs> it's semantics. I get it. Um, what I really love is how do we respond to God's word? And the slight difference for me in this is that when we're applying God's life, to me, it seems like, how do I make God's word fit into my life that is already existing? And when we're responding to God's word, we're saying, how do I make my life change in light of what God is calling me to, in light of what I'm learning about Christ, in light of what the Bible is saying? That is 
I am laying down my life as I prefer it to be, and I am choosing to listen to what is true and what I believe is true about Jesus and follow him in submission to God's word, the Bible. And so that is, there's a lot of ways that that can be healthy for us, right? As Christians, as, as followers of Christ, as learners and disciples of Christ, we want to come away having been changed in our hearts and our minds, sometimes in our affections, sometimes in our attitudes and behaviors, but we, we, won't, we won't come away from that time not receiving anything because when God's word is, is read, when it goes out, it does not come back void. And so that means that for our hearts and our minds, when we sit down and we read, we may not feel different. We may not feel like we're changing or like we've changed. But the good news is like the Bible does the work. The word does the work. And so we don't have to force ourselves to change on our own. We just submit to this work of the Spirit and we walk in faith that Christ is changing us. Now, this may be a little bit more tangible in how I understand it. What is health? Health is growing, right? When we're healthy, we are growing. We're growing in thinking of children. They grow taller. Um, they grow a little wider. Kids are growing in energy. They need more sleep. Thinking of adults, we grow in understanding. We're continuing also, like, I think it's our skin that never stops growing. There's something that never stops growing. Um, but basically, health is when we're growing. And of course, there's always outliers um, in that. And then think of what unhealth looks like. Unhealth, the opposite, it'd be atrophy, right? If we don't feed ourselves, what happens? We literally waste away. Um, we, we shrink, we become smaller to the point of even death. And so that's what we want to not do, right? There's no way that we can do, do either or, um, or sorry, do both. <laughs> That's like feasting and famine. famining, is that a word? Um, and so basically, when we come to the Bible, we are coming to God's word. And as Jesus said, he is the bread of life. He is like manna from heaven in the actual form, um, much like the Egyptian, no, the Israelites um, had experienced in the desert. God gave them manna, their daily bread. But we have Jesus who is sustaining and fulfilling us. And so when we come to the Bible, that's what we get. We get filled by Christ in the Spirit's power. And so we want to be growing, right? So we want to be people who are in God's Word. And sometimes that looks like five minutes, and that's great. Sometimes that looks like 30 minutes or an hour or some real serious saints, more than an hour. But you know what? All you need is a few minutes with the Lord. So if that's what you do and you're doing that consistently, that means you're feeding on Christ. You are feeding your soul, your heart, and your mind on the truth of who Christ is. And so some things I want to talk to you about are practices. How, how do we do this? How do we get there? So first of all, very practically, just sit down and look at your calendar. How are you spending your time? Where are the places you're going? What are the things you are, are spending yourself on? And then take a look and see where you may need to build in extra time to sit with the Lord, with the Bible, hopefully in a quiet space. But I also know that's not always possible. There's, there are many families with young kids. There's many people who have a lot of rambunctious stuff happening around. I've got three cats, and although it's great, sometimes it doesn't make for a great quiet space. But what we do is what we have, right? We use what God has given us. And if we need to make time 
For me, that looks like getting up earlier than I want. I'm not a morning person, don't love it. But in order to feed my soul so that I do not waste away, that is something I have to submit to. I have to submit my entire life to pursuing Jesus, to submitting to who he is and who he says he is. So if you want to grow in this, if you want to learn um, how to do this, it's going to take time. That's always the most frustrating part of learning anything is the time it takes and how we, we feel really foolish as we're trying new things, right? When you think of riding a bike, how did you, how did you think of that? You were wobbly, you weren't really sure if that was going to carry you, if you were going to be able to, to stay up the whole time. It's a scary thing to do new things. It's a scary thing to pick back up something that you might have fallen off of once. And yet, we are called to follow Christ. And so I would say it's going to take longer than you want it to to feel normal and to, to miss a day and feel like something's missing. Another thing is engage as many learning with styles as possible. Are you listening? Are you um, seeing? Are you reading and writing? Are you maybe a kinesthetic learner? Um, I know I have a friend who does a lot of movement to learn. Um, in one of the retreats I was part of, we had our women to recite a Bible verse by doing different movements. Um, and that really helps us learn in different ways. And there's a bunch of resources that we've put together um, and, and they have different options um, as far as ways to learn. And so my last thing I wanna to talk to you about is how do we do this with others? Because I'm not just called to follow Christ on my own. If that was the case, I'd stay home on Sundays in my pajamas, in my bed, doing being a bedside Baptist, if you will. That's what I always heard growing up. It's someone who stays in bed instead of goes to church. Um, we can't do this on our own. There's no way. It's not possible. Even Jesus and his disciples, even the smallest number, he had three. And, so we're, and then he sent the disciples, what, out in twos. Um, and so there, there's a, a communal aspect to this. And there's also a helping one another. Maybe I'm farther along in my understanding and my knowledge and my practice of learning Christ in the Word. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are farther along than me. And so what that looks like is, hey, do you want to read the Bible together? You literally only need a Bible and another person. And you pick one spot, you start reading together, you study together, you learn Christ together. And that's how you grow as a disciple. That's how they grow as a disciple. And hopefully we see a waterfall effect in that way. That is what we long for, to be a church of disciples and disciple makers. And so these are very, very few quick tips and ideas and thoughts on what it looks like to submit to God's word, to believe that Jesus is the truth. He is unchanging because the Bible is inerrant. That means without error. And it was written how many thousands of years ago? And we still turn to it as our unchanging truth. And so if that is the case, if that's real, if that's true, then we need to be in the word with one another, consistently feeding on the truth of Christ. So that's my encouragement to you of what this can look like. I don't have all the answers. You may be watching this thinking, you missed so many different things, and I'm aware of that. Um, I humbly ad admit that I do not know all that there is. And so if you have additional ideas, practice them, share them, talk with your community group, talk with your roommate, with your family about them, engage others. And that is probably for me one of the hardest things is engaging others in what I'm learning. So I'm challenged in this. 
daily. This is not something I have down. Um, so it is also my accountability sharing with you as well to be in the Word of God because it is our life. And so I, with that, I encourage you, Parkview family. Um, I like to call you family um, and encourage you to be in the Word. Enjoy Christ in this way. Thank you. Well, hello, Parkview Church. My name is Devin Neese, and I work here on staff at Parkview as a communications and associate worship director. It is my joy and pleasure to be with you here today to continue our series on a whole disciple and what it looks like to live in health in, this, in these areas. Um, today, we're going to be talking about what it means to embrace your true identity in Christ as a whole disciple. So hopefully, if you've been following along, we've already had two episodes in this series. We've had Thomas giving us just a, a general overview about the definition, and I'll repeat that for us uh, as we get started here. And then Andrea taught us about submitting to God's Word. So if you haven't checked those out yet, I'd invite you to go back and listen to those before you listen to this one, because um, our teaching will all be building off of one another. So yeah, to start us off, I would just like to remind us of what our definition of a whole disciple is. So a whole disciple is a forgiven child of God who's taking the next step to learn, love, and live Jesus. In this episode, we're diving in on the second area of health for learning Jesus, which is that a whole disciple embraces his or her true identity in Jesus. Let's get started. So the Bible has a lot to say about what our new identity is. It's pretty exciting, actually. Um, Jesus has completely renewed us by his spirit um, when we have become believers. And so here's just a couple of things that the Bible tells us about our new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Romans 8.16 and 17 says that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What good news. We are renewed. We have the spirit of Christ living within us. And we are sons and daughters of God, co-heirs with Christ to his eternal inheritance. Other places in scripture tell us that we are citizens of heaven, God's people, a treasure for his own possession. We belong to God. We are not who we used to be before Jesus. So how do we embrace and live out this new true identity in Christ? Well, the Bible helps us there too. The Bible tells us that embracing our new identity in Christ is a process. It's not all going to happen at once. Though we are renewed um, by the Spirit when we become believers, it is a continual process of what we call sanctification or growing more and more into the image of Christ. And so Colossians 3 actually helps us a lot with understanding what it looks like to grow in embracing our true identity. In Colossians 3, Paul is writing to the Colossian church about um, putting on the new self. So the process of embracing our true identity is putting to death our old ways. So leaving behind our sinful ways, um, gossiping. Uh, what else does he say about the uh, sexual immorality, slander, malice, anger, putting those things to death and then putting on or bringing to life in us compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Um, and so I think it's really important right here to stop because if you're like me, you've already gotten out your pen and paper and you're starting to write down all the things that you need to do and all the things that you don't need to do um, and trying to figure this out on your own. Let's pause for a second. Remember Galatians 2.20? Christ's spirit dwells within every believer. 
It is not by our own strength, our own will or ability to make a fantastic to-do list that we embrace our new identity in Christ. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit within us that we are transformed more into the image of Christ. Now, this does not release us from all responsibility in our own growth, but it reminds us that it is through the partnership between us and the Holy Spirit that we are able to embrace our new identity in Jesus. So, by the power of the Spirit, we put off the old self. How do we do that? We confess the sin in our lives to the Lord, but also in community. And we pray and rely on the Holy Spirit when we are tempted by sin, because though we have a new identity in Jesus, we are not immune to temptation. And so we can rely on the Holy Spirit in these moments to give us the tools that we need to resist temptation. And then on the flip side, and at the same time, by the power of the Spirit, we put on the new self. We ask the Lord to change our hearts, our minds, and our habits. Our responsibility here is to set our minds on things above, as Colossians 3.2 puts it, or as Philippians 4.8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, that is Paul, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we're supposed to surround ourselves with scripture and the things that are pleasing to God with community that reminds us and points us back to the reality of Jesus and our, our identity in him. And as we are obedient to God in this area of our life, we grow in health as a whole disciple. Our perspective on life is changed to be more in line with God's. We begin to see all of life through the lens of the gospel. We can have the ability to apply the truth of the gospel, like Andrea taught about, by reading God's word, submitting to God's word. We can then apply that to our everyday lives. It can change how we interact with our coworkers, our family, and our friends. It changes how we show up to everything that we have going on in our lives, every activity, every conversation, every commitment. If we are showing up in our full identity as a follower of Jesus, it is different than how we used to show up to things before we knew Christ. So knowing who we are in Christ changes our perspective of daily life to focus on the eternal, to be able to step back, to zoom out from hard situations of everyday life and think about them in the context of Jesus' resurrection and his second coming. Because when we remember that Jesus died for us and conquered sin and death and Satan, when we remember that he is coming back to restore all of creation, when we remember that he is with us by his spirit, empowering us to live in Christ, we can embrace our true identity in Jesus. So now turning to just a couple ways that we can practice this uh, area of health. If you need to grow in this personally, a really easy way to get started is to just pick one of those verses. I am a new creation. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. Pick one of those verses and write it down on a sticky note or an index card. Stick it to your mirror, in the bathroom, stick it to the fridge, in the kitchen, anywhere that you see every single day, multiple times a day, preferably. Um, put that verse in front of your face so that you are constantly reminded of your new identity. You no longer live according to the ways of the world. You live according to the way of Jesus. 
You can even find phone backgrounds with verses on them to put on your phone just by Googling that verse reference with the words phone background. So for instance, Galatians 2.20 verse background. Um, I personally just started making scripture note cards to put on my dashboard in my car and I see it every single time I drive. So at first it kind of freaked me out because I was like, what's this thing on my dashboard? But now I'm used to seeing it and remembering the verse that I have written on there. We just need to remember our identity to rehearse it every day. And another way that we do that is through community. We need to be in community to also remember our identity in Christ. It is not easy to remember your own identity in Christ on your own, um, especially in times when you are struggling with sin and with temptation. It is so important to have somebody alongside you who you can call, who you can text, who can be there in a matter of minutes just to show up and remind you this is not who you are anymore. You are a new creation. And um, so I'd highly encourage you if you're not already to get involved in a community group, a Bible study, somewhere where there is a um, regular and authentic confession of sin and community together embracing that true identity. And if you're feeling like, I've got this, I know who I am in Christ, I'm living this part of my life as a whole disciple fully, I would encourage you to take the next step by helping somebody else learn how to embrace their identity in Jesus. We have lots of opportunities to serve at our church with youth ministry, with kids ministry, and they are at a crucial time to know what their identity is in Jesus. Um, whether they're believers or not, they have this uh, available to them. They can become new creations in Christ, but they need to be reminded just like we do every day um, that we are a new creation. And there's also new believers who are older, if that's more of your, your demographic that you like to help, just look for somebody who needs help because we all have a role to play in helping one another take the next step to learn Jesus. So if you're looking for any ideas or additional resources to help you get started in taking the next step in this area, you can check out the description box or the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast for more helpful tools and links. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Thomas, one of your pastors here at Parkview, and in this lesson, I want to talk to you about another aspect of learning Jesus. Specifically, I want us to talk about growing with God's people. Now, it's only natural that when we think of growth, we think of growing as individuals. And of course, God does want us to grow as individuals. Uh, but one thing that sticks out as we read the Bible is that when the Bible talks about growth, it talks about it in corporate, communal terms. Think about the Bible itself. It's hard to think of a book of the Bible that is describing only one person or to think of a letter, for instance, in the New Testament that's written to only one person. Almost all of them are written about communities of faith to communities of faith about how they might grow as communities of faith. And so when we think about growing as God's people, when we think of taking the next step with Christ, the first thing we have to remember is that God expects that our growth in Christ would happen in the context of relationships with other people. Now, in the time when the Bible was written, up to about 500 years ago, this was only natural. In fact, it was basically impossible for it to happen any other way until the printing press was invented and, and we now to this day have almost an average of five Bibles per household. Uh, before then, the Bible itself 
the scriptures themselves would only be accessible to communities. If you wanted to read the Bible, you wanted to read the book, or in that time, the scroll of Deuteronomy or the letter to the Ephesians, you needed to go down to your local congregation or in the in older times to the synagogue to be able to access it. Hopefully, you'd be able to memorize it so that you might be able to meditate on it on your own, but certainly you wouldn't have a copy of your own copy of the Bible unless you were completely, incredibly wealthy. And so, for throughout uh, the Bible and throughout Christian history, growth has happened in community. The idea of sort of a solitary individual growing as a Christian just by sitting down, me with my Bible and prayer only, uh, has only been a possibility to even think about for the last hundred years or so. And so the first thing we have to establish is that growth happens in community. Now, this is even more obvious when you read the epistles, when you read the letters that are specifically written to churches, uh, just as we might have had one written to us all those years ago. For instance, the book of Ephesians or something like that, written to a community not too much bigger than or smaller than Parkview is today. Uh, it's often lost on us because of the English language. Uh, in the original language, often the, the commands that are given, the, the instructions that are given, the promises that are described are written using plural language. And this is lost on us because when it gets translated into English, uh, well, unless you're from the southern United States, you have no category for the plural second person. Here's what I mean. When the Bible says, rejoice always, again I say rejoice, we read that as individuals. We say, ah, I should be rejoicing. And yet in the original language it says, y'all rejoice. You all rejoice. The entire Bible is written to a community of learners. In fact, it's clear throughout the scriptures uh, that the church, God's gathered people, are meant to be a robust learning community where anyone can join and through the, those around them, the, the influence that we have with one another, the gifts that God has given to each member, each of us is able to take a next step through the support and challenge and instruction that God supplies. Uh, we see this most clearly in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. I'll read those to you now. It says this, uh, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, or if we're being cheeky, whole discipleship, uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is, each of us with the gifts that God has given us, of course, we, we read the evangelists, the, the teachers, and so forth. God has appointed certain roles and offices within the church. Uh, so that we might learn, but he's also given everyday people to help us and encourage us as we take the next step. And one thing that marks a whole disciple, that marks an ever-growing, taking-the-next-step, forgiven child of God, is a dedication to the learning community that God has given, the church, to growing with God's people. And so while disciples are, of course, committed to growing with God's people, in, in our day and age, of course, it's not, never been easier to do that individualistically. So what we'll see if we're growing as whole disciples in this realm is a commitment to community, a commitment to growing in community, a commitment to growing with and from and alongside our fellow believers, particularly for those who are at Parkview with other Parkview people. Um, 
So what does this actually mean in plain language? Well, simply, it means that you, as a growing disciple of Jesus, would expect and look to and uh, depend on the body of Christ here at Parkview, the church, to help you grow in Christ. Some really simple things that that would look like is worshiping together regularly. Uh, coming to worship God, to learn from God's people, to learn from the word together as we preach uh, the Bible and so forth. Sunday mornings should be our flagship of learning Jesus together. It would look like being committed to a learning community like a community group, um, devoted to the, the things that we've provided like podcasts and other learning opportunities. It would also look like looking to other members of the church to be a source of encouragement uh, and learning. Um, for instance, if you're a parent, uh, it might be only natural for you to look to a book uh, to, to think, I need to grow as a parent. I'm struggling with a certain issue. It's only natural for us as 21st century people to think, ah, I have a learning deficit. I need to grow in this area. And boop, 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 type over to Amazon.com or click over to it on my smartphone and look up the latest childcare book or whatever it happens to be. And that's great. Wonderful. I hope there's so many wonderful Christian books out there. Um, but if we're growing in this area of the Christian life as whole disciples, we would maybe not only do that, or maybe first, we would go to a fellow member who we have seen be a good parent. Maybe there's a generation ahead of us. They've raised kids of their own. And we would look to them and say, I know I need to grow in this area of my life. Would you help me? Would you recommend a book to me? Could I just sit down with you? Could I buy you dinner, buy you lunch, and just pick your brain about what it looks like to grow in this area? It might also look like, uh, here's, here's a really simple one, practical one. And by the way, if this caught on, your life and the life of our church would be transformed. As much as we want to press you to consider for yourself, what is my next step with Jesus? What would turn this church upside down in about 10 hours would be this. If each of us looked to one another and said, dear friend, would you help me by telling me where you see that I need to grow in Christ? Inviting that kind of help as a learner of Jesus to be devoted enough and humble enough to ask others to guide you and to point out your weak spots and blind spots, to be open to their correction, open to their encouragement, open to their instruction for those who are farther ahead of you in the Christian life. And so growing as a whole disciple means growing with God's people, learning Jesus in God's given learning community, the church. Now, one solid practice, I hope I've given you lots of ideas here, but one solid practice that you might look to is joining a community group. This is our uh, fundamental learning community, apart from uh, the Sunday worship gathering, apart from what we hope are wonderful, organic little friendships and relationships that you form in the church, to have a group of people that are dedicated to one another growing in Christ. Our groups have a simple mission statement. Community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. Uh, community groups are where we intentionally look at one another and say, I'm here to help you grow in Christ. So that's one simple practice, and I hope you've learned a little bit through this lesson about what it looks like to grow as a whole disciple by learning Jesus, by, by growing with God's people.